Buccaneers fans, Black Friday starts now at Bill Curry Ford. Get an Amazon gift card up to $1,000 with every new vehicle purchase or lease at Bill Curry Ford. Tampa's first family of Ford, a mile north of Raymond James Stadium. BillCurryFord.com is the website. See all the tremendous offers right there. BillCurryFord.com. Proud presenters of the Scuttlebucks and the Ira Kaufman podcast at JoeBucksFan.com. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Great to be with you. I am Jeff Cameron. That is Tom Lang, and we will be talking about the Buccaneers Saints. Yes. Waiting for this rematch for some time. Great to be with you. So I would start by saying, all right, that's what good teams do, right? They play a game in which they do not play well in so many facets, and then you look up and they win. They win. And when you hate a team, that falls under the umbrella of good or great or potentially great. You watch a game like that play out, you go, those lucky sons of bitches. And time and again, you see them win games like that. Watch a college powerhouse. Watch a perennial power in the NFL. And one thing that seems to happen is the conversation centering around the amount of times, quote-unquote, they've been lucky to win a football game, right? There's always Because they dominate so many games that when they play a close one, it's indelible. People remember it. And nine times out of ten, the better franchise with the better players and the more successfully sustained uh, wins over that course of time are by that better franchise. You can remember how tantalizingly close the other team was to pulling off the upset, but didn't. As a fan, I'm talking. And so the name the Patriots or Clemson or Alabama or whomever it is at the time, right? I remember back in the 90s, Nebraska did this all the time. There would be these games and you'd have – I remember one time they got a kicked pass in the end zone to score in the last minute of the game against Missouri. They had an extra down game. There were all these other moments where you go, what in the world – but the one thing that holds true is that the better team, the better franchise, the better program seems to win those games. Well, well, why? Well, they're good. They've got better players. And usually that works, right? If you're just better, eventually you win. The Bucks played an all-time classic game in the sense that they were terrible. They did so many things poorly that they haven't done poorly all year long. Namely, they couldn't stop the run to save their life against the Giants. And the Bucks' defense absolutely can stop the run. Not on that night. They look completely disinterested. You saw them searching on offense, Tom, just doing things. That, you know, why is Mickens getting so many you know, 
targets, right? You're, yeah. you're saying these things in your head. You're wondering what's going on. And at the end of the day, they got the win. They did the thing that is maddening for people that aren't fans of the team that's the better team to witness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear by the second quarter what they're doing on offense. They're yeah. trying to create looks on film for Brady and the rest of the offense, the blocking schemes, the route combinations, and all that for when Antonio Brown is a part of the offense. Correct. Because if you circled a receiver, a non-traditional receiver, for Bucks giants before kickoff, it would have been Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson looks and plays a little bit more like Chris Godwin. And what's Chris Godwin in this offense, the yes. BA offense? Yeah. He's everything. He's the linchpin in the offense because of what you do with motions and blocking and the places in the field that you go over the middle, uh, the tough areas. I mean, Chris Godwin is the cog that makes the B.A. offense roll. But we have multiple offenses colliding at the same time, and you're doing so for a couple of reasons. The personnel coming in and the personnel that's hurt. Since Chris Godwin isn't available, you've got to call the game a little bit differently. Since Antonio Brown is on his way in, you're going to have to install plays that work for Antonio Brown. Now, this is all base BA stuff for the most part because Bruce Arians called the offense in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown was there and Byron Leftwich was there as well. So they understand that within their big book of an offense, there are some pages dedicated to Antonio Brown's skill set. But you're also trying to marry the concepts that Tom Brady is comfortable with and Rob Gronkowski is comfortable with into that offense. So it's a mess. You're trying to sort through a mess. And that's what it looked like on offense for me. Take a look at Tom Brady's eyes in that game. They're confused. He's feeling pressure where there is none. He's flustered in some moments. It's because he doesn't trust what he's seeing. He doesn't work on what he's seeing in that game all that much. They're installing something new. Yeah, they are. They're adding uh, to this offense, which has become quite the uh, hodgepodge, as you're noting. Uh, I will say this. Uh, when you when you think about what the Bucks are and, and where they're headed, the upside for this team is considerable. And yet they're 6-2 and two about to go to war with the Saints to take sole possession of the lead in the division. And really, we're on a march towards home field throughout. That's what this is about. Uh, you're seeing Green Bay begin to falter. You begin to look around the entirety of the NFC and you go, you know, this could be ours. Well, and I'll tell you one play specifically that sticks out in my mind because Brady missed some throws in the first half. But there was one play that's not on Brady. It's on the intrinsic communication that two players either have or they don't through you know consistent work with each other. There's a play where it's whatever the first read is, it's not going to work. But the protection is, I mean, amazing. And that it has been for the most part Frequently, this season. yes. I mean, look at this offensive line year, year over year. It's unbelievable how much more protection there is. It's to than the point, Tom, we take it for granted. You go into games now assuming Brady's going to have time to throw the football. You would never have assumed that. Think of Jameis's years and how often he was getting hit and running for his life. Yes. Brian Greasy describes it on the replay as a second window throw because he's waiting for Mickens to come across the field. And it looks like in live speed that Brady missed him, but it, it's not true. Brady did not miss him. Mickens stopped. Yeah. Mickens thought. It's an open uh, sector of the field. I found a soft spot in the sit zone. Down. Yeah. Let me sit down and catch the ball in my breadbasket. And Brady thinks he should be dragging across because if he does, catches it, it might be a touchdown up the field. It's also where having worked together previous and having repped it in practice and gone through this, they would have had that understanding. You don't think he, he feels that way about Antonio Brown? Right. Antonio Brown's wearing a TB12 hat in his press conference that week. That yeah. is not you know him <laughs> saying thank you to Tom Brady out of the goodness of his heart. That is a business arrangement because Tom Brady knows that video is going to go viral and he needs the branding and since i'm doing you a favor f f and guy you're going to put this hat on yeah sure you're going to put tb12 stuff on you're going to go talk to my uh life coach 
and you're going to pay him a lot of money to talk to him because this is all a business venture that's going on. But he also believes that they have a connection on the field. He also believes he can help him win, and that's really what it's ultimately about. Yes, the money that's to be made is there, but all, he thinks they can win the Super Bowl. That, that's what that's about. You wouldn't do it otherwise. You wouldn't even take the risk. And going back to something here when I talk about this upside, this offense has been choppy. They have, they've been great at times, non-existent for quarters at a time, something in between at times. They've been oft injured throughout. You look at the receiving core, my God, it's been a mash unit off and on. They've never really at all at once been uh, in sync and healthy at the same time. If they get there, they can be the best offense in the NFC. And to that point, the Bucs are plus 82 in point differential. It's the second largest margin only to the Chiefs in the league, okay? And that's with this offense that ranks 12th, okay? You're, you're, you're second in defense. That offensive ranking is going to go up the healthier they get, the more rhythm they get, the more the understanding becomes uh, across the board. So – your defense isn't likely to sour. I mean, you can't yeah. have a bunch of injuries, knock on wood. But if you if you stay relatively healthy, this defense is going to be good amongst the top three in the league for the rest of the year. And the offense is only going to get better. That's why you come into today and this weekend against the Saints with so much optimism. Now, there's a game to be played, and you could lose that game. The Saints are still good enough to beat you if you don't play well. But I, I there's a reason the Bucks are favored, and I think it's a good reason. Um, the the Bucks have a chance in the next few weeks to kind of secure their place as the team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, you know, there's a part of me that's really disappointed with the performance on Monday because I was hoping that with Brady in there and some of the leaders that they have on defense that they'd be mature enough to handle that thing and put it to bed early, and they weren't. If you look, especially in the trenches, the will to run the football, the will to stop the run, they're looking yeah, ahead. You can tell. Ahead. They had no desire. And yeah. the offensive game plan tells me they're looking ahead. They're playing for December. <laughs> well, they're playing brutal. for January. It's brutal the way they treated the Giants. They're like, oh, it's a scrimmage. But you still get through it. And the uh, the pass rush came to life late in the game. I mean, the the pressures from Pierre Paul when and they Barrett to, when, to force yeah. the, the turnover. Well, it was, it was winning time. And also the Giants understand. And Garrett called a good game. There are a lot of open things that Daniel Jones simply did not hit or yeah. else the Giants would be up multiple scores in the second half and we might be having a more pointed discussion today. <laughs> but that's who Daniel Jones is, feast or famine. But he got the ball out of his hands very quickly. And when he didn't, he got harassed and threw interceptions. It's interesting about this weekend is, okay, you know that their focus is on this game. They're not going to work on things. They're going to play the game. Yeah, you got to play the game. And the big thing to me, and this is where Drew Brees gets pissed, he, it happened against Chicago, it's happened in recent weeks, the only time he loses on his offensive line is when the pressure comes from the interior. He gets pissed. He well, tells he, his guards, he, he screams him down like Peyton Manning early in his five career. five feet tall. He can't see over anybody, man. It's going to drive you nuts. And every quarterback hates it if they can't step into a throw, especially one with a limited arm. Without Vita. That's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. This is a game where he would feast and affect the pocket. You don't have him this time around, and you at least have a yellow alert on the defensive interior with how the Giants were. I think it was more will than anything else, than yeah, aptitude. Well, stopping the run is both a, a measure of a personnel and want to, and right. I don't know that the want to was in place. That's my hope, but it is at least a yellow alert because if Kamara can be a force in the ground and Latavius Ooh. Murray and you're not affecting the pocket from the interior, yeah, you, you could have problems on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, it could be a fun game. Uh, all the more reason that we're excited and the intrigue levels continue to rise because, honestly, uh, it's a game you, you kind of got to win. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, you're not going to the playoffs if you lose the game, but if you want to win this division 
and you want to secure home field and you want to make life easier on yourself, this you got to win this game and you can't get swept by the Saints. No, come on. Well, the way we played on Monday tells me that the Buccaneers moving forward. Um, they were looking at this game. They had circled this game, and they understand that there's a key stretch of the season coming. They're preparing for the rematch with Carolina on the road. You're preparing for the Rams, and that's a big test. Thankfully, it's in Tampa because yeah. East Coast, West Coast, big splits for Rams and how they produce. Well, yeah, golf doesn't uh, play well on the road anywhere. And then you got the Chiefs. They knew that there's a huge four-game sequence coming, and you got to be ready for it. Uh, by the way, another reminder, we tell you every week, and we sure do thank our friends Bill Curry Ford, in particular General Manager uh, Sean Sullivan. Uh, he's been great, and his love of Bucks fans, well-documented. Uh, in fact, ask for your Scuttlebucks slash Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan will do everything in his power to make sure uh, that you, you leave a satisfied customer. He'll give you a discount there. Uh, it's a family service you've come to expect from Bill Curry Ford. Check him out today, BillCurryFord.com. Again, that's BillCurryFord.com. Uh, you can also obviously swing by the showroom where it is absolutely breathtaking. BillCurryFord.com. More Scuttlebucks. Lita Kemper going to join us coming up. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. And away we go. That music means we get the opportunity to welcome in our friend, Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com. Let's talk about Bucks Saints. Should be a great game. I know we're all pumped up. Hello, Lee. How the hell are you, brother? Jeff, how you doing? Yeah, this is going to be a blast Sunday night. I'm, I got the Bears already iced up for it, man. I'm ready to rock. Yeah, you and me both. Revenge game. Obviously, the two teams have kind of revealed a little bit more of who they are as the weeks have gone on since that first matchup. I saw, obviously, on JoeBucksFan.com where uh, Alvin Kamara on uh, Bruce Arians' mind. That's true of every Bucks fan, uh, coach, or player, I would think, because he pretty much is the New Orleans Saints these days. Uh, they throw to him incessantly. Uh, their quarterback, Drew Brees, a Hall of Famer, is a check-down guy these days, and so he really is the thing that makes that offense work, uh, is able to beat people in situations where they throw underneath, even short of the sticks. He gets there a lot. Uh, talk to me about what Arians had to say about Alvin Kamara. Oh, he basically called him better than Marshall Falk, which uh, to me is a little bit of an overstatement. Uh, I'm a big believer in Marshall Falk. I, I thought he was one of the best running backs in the history of the game. That's why he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, so I don't know if uh, that was, by the way, press conferences, they're not necessarily meant for candor, although I do like, uh, I do like how Aaron is outspoken at press conferences, mm -hmm. but they're also used as a vehicle. And I, I, I just have to believe Arian said that on purpose as a vehicle to like butter up uh, Alvin Kamara or not give anybody any, uh, any blackboard material. You've heard that old cliche before. So our bulletin board, not blackboard, bulletin board material, blackboard. Did they go out in the 60s? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, 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 I, you know, I, I see where Arians is coming from. I'm not ready to call him better than Marshall Falk, but he's damn dangerous. 
And here's what I will say about Drew Brees. I understand what you're saying, that he's a check-down artist, and everybody says he can't throw long. I get that. Brady can throw long better than Brees. I'm not ready to start throwing, shoveling dirt in Brees' face. Everybody says the only thing Brees can do is throw short. The Bears are a damn good defense. I would have to suggest, and I watched that game, I would have to suggest if Brees really can only throw check-down passes, they would have shut him down and said, okay, we'll leave your, your uh, wide receivers wide open 15 yards plus downfield. Knock yourself out. We won't allow you to show, throw short passes. And Breeze continues to rack up points, even with a hampered offense. You know, Michael Thomas has been hurt when he's not punching teammates. And, uh, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders was sick with the COVID. So I'm not ready to shovel dirt in his face quite yet. I, I think me personally, the talk of the demise of Drew Brees is exaggerated. Well, I think it's two things. I think that people relate to the party. I was pointing out that Drew Brees was beginning to fade physically uh, a year and a half ago, and and it was yeah. uh, it was you saw some throws outdoors in Tampa that fell way short. He had to shot put him. He looked terrible. Now, something to note here: uh, he's smart, he's accurate, and his head coach is one of the best offensive minds in all of football. So they scheme a lot of things open, and a lot of those things have to do with quick hitters underneath. They're not all just choosing to check down. They like to run that kind of an offense. It's safe. Uh, you, you keep from turning over the ball, and you have personnel that do make people miss. So some of this is by design. And, and that's to your point. Uh, I will always credit Drew Brees, the player, for his career. He has been uh, a Hall of Famer. He's been an incredible player. And I think he can still make the occasional throw down the field, especially indoors. Um, but but I would say uh, he has diminished. So both can be true. I think it's a fair point you bring up. He's still good enough to beat you if you don't play well. I'll say that for sure. Well, to, to your point, the last two or three years, Brees, uh, outdoors has been sort of his kryptonite. Sort of. Uh, it's a little more pronounced now, but it's been that way for a couple of years to, to, to uh, bully your uh, premise. <laughs> um, and I will admit, like you just said, Brees is a savvy guy, and his coach is a sharp guy. So they're still, those, they are still dangerous. They are still lethal. They can still find ways to beat you. So you know, it's not like the Bucks are going up against a cripple here. Uh, they got to be on their A game. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to be Debbie Downer and uh, – but I'm a, I'm a burning bush kind of guy. The Monday night game spooked me for a lot of reasons. I don't know, maybe Danny Dimes just has something about the Bucks where he plays so well. And uh, he didn't play well, but he played better than he usually did against Bucks Monday night. But that's sort of spooked me. I don't know if it was the Bucks looking ahead. I surely don't buy uh, what Arians was trying to sell. Like, oh, there was no energy. We didn't know. We didn't know the stadium was closed. There was nobody around. Come on, Bruce. You guys knew this before the season started. Give me a break. If you didn't know that, well, then i got to question your your, uh, your credibility as far as preparing a team. So I don't buy all that, especially when Winfield, which was a published article Monday morning on Sports Illustrated, SI.com, Albert Breer, you know, Winfield said he was all fired up and ready to go. And, and he played damn well, don't get me wrong. But if, if a rookie is the only guy who was mentally prepared for the game as far as bringing some juice to the game, uh, I, I don't know what's going on. That, that just doesn't sound right to me. Not even with Brady. Brady's even the guy that brings juice. So I don't know if I necessarily buy what Arians was selling. That, oh, we didn't even know there was a game. We didn't know the place was locked up or not. There was nobody around. Come on, Bruce. Let me ask you this. Uh... Things are looking, I, I guess, as good as they can, given the situation with uh, Will Golston. Uh, do we think yeah, he's going to be? 
well, he tweeted out he expects to play Sunday. That you know, barring you know him testing positive, that he expects to play Sunday. So that's a good thing. And if you want to be honest, the Bucks have been very lucky with this virus, and they've been very lucky overall with injuries. Now I know Ali Marpet in concussion protocol. We won't know if he's going to be able to play uh, come Sunday. I think that could be significant. Uh, but uh, overall, you think about it. The Bucks have been very, very fortunate that they really haven't been hit by the virus. They really haven't been hit by injuries that badly. I mean, yeah, Godwin got a broken finger, and Evans has been ha- uh, hampered a little bit with the hamstring. But overall, they've been fortunate, and you need that good fortune if you're going to make any kind of a run. Well, I wouldn't be doing, uh, I guess, my due diligence here. I, we, we're required by law, I do believe, to talk <laughs> about Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah. So so let's do so quickly. We don't have to carry it over the same way that the Muddy Night crew did um, in the midst of a close game, still carrying on <laughs> about Antonio Brown. But obviously Tom and I have had an opinion about this. We gave that opinion. We don't want to belabor the point. We decided that we, this wasn't going to be the hyper-focus every week. We, we wanted people to know how we felt about that signing. We're both against it. But they did it. It's what it is. I, I'm certainly not going to deny that if Antonio Brown uh, is no longer uh, the pariah and criminal that he's proven himself to be in the past, and he can stay focused and and learn this offense and be in shape and play hard. Um, then he's an added weapon that makes this offense that much more difficult uh, to defend. His role in this game, his role moving forward. Your thoughts on Antonio Brown? How much we will see him Sunday night? Arians thinks he he can be used up to thirty five snaps. Uh, that might be that might be pressing it. The way I look at it, and, and I agree with you, Jeff. So, but I, I'll, I'll, I, I don't want to turn this to a bad version of around the horn in a one-score game. <laughs> uh, uh, I look at him as a decoy more than anything. Uh, if he contributes, great. But I can't go out there and say he's going to contribute when he's had what three practices with the Bucks prior to the game. Uh, that's that's a stretch for me. Uh, I look at him as a decoy. It is kind of, and I'm like you guys, I, I was dubious about bringing him in because I have the vivid memories of the, the Redskins duo, Deshaun Jackson, Swaggy Baker, how those guys absolutely destroyed the locker room. I mean, just destroyed it. Um, so I'm dubious about that. I think what's really delicious for me and enticing is Arians threw out the nugget that Antonio Brown could return punts. Now, I don't know if I trust him doing that or not because, once again, how many practices have he had? But it's really, really tempting to think of that guy returning fun because he's, you know, he's got talent. How much of a shape he's in, I don't know. But that, that, you know, this might be a little bit of gamesmanship by Bruce Arians. He might be just throwing it out there just, just so the Saints have to prepare for it, just in case. You know, he may not use, he may not have any intention of using Antonio Brown, but just throwing that out there. You know, I spoke a little earlier how press conferences are basically vehicles to get a certain message out. Well, this could be one example. And he's just kind of throwing that out. And like, hey, I might just use him as a punt returner. Uh-oh, now you're in New Orleans. You have to prepare for him as a punt returner. I look at him as more of a decoy because you got to play it safe. You can't just say, oh, you haven't played in a game in over a year. Uh, I'm just going to let you alone. No, 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 no. Uh, Dennis Allen's not that dumb. He's not going to do that. And if he does something you know, fantastic, all the better. But I look at him right now, at least this week, as more of a decoy than anything else. 
As we go into this game and we talk about the rest of the season and what's at stake for Tampa Bay and what they've either proven, haven't proven, and everything in between, what would you say has been the most surprising development, good or bad, about this football team in your mind? Ronald Jones being a consistent runner. Now, he didn't do very well against the Giants, but I, I had turned the page on Ronald Jones. I was under the philosophy, if it takes you 30 games, which it did, to prove you're an NFL running back, you're not an NFL running back. And also, he had some ugly stats as a rookie that anyone with his stats as a rookie had a dismal career. I had turned the page on Ronald Jones. I was screaming for Shady McCoy, although it looks like he's done. I was screaming for anybody, anybody but Ronald Jones. And the fact that he turned the corner and he looks like a legitimate running back now, legitimate NFL running back, that's my biggest surprise and a pleasant surprise. And a lot of people say, oh, you hate Ronald Jones, you just want to get rid of him. No, 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 no. Anybody that's on the roster of the Bucks, I want to produce. But that's my, that's my hang-up, is production. If you don't produce, get out of the way. Get someone in there that can. This isn't Harry High School. This is, uh, you know, you're on scholarship. No, 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 you got to produce if you're in the NFL. To quote Dirk Cutter, it's a production league. So if you don't produce, get out of the way. And that's where I, that's where I felt about Ronald Jones. He had 30 games to uh, show himself. He didn't produce. Get out of the way. Well, to his credit and to the Bucks' benefit, He's producing now. He's producing quite well. And that has been a very, very pleasant surprise for me. You know what's cool? I think many of the surprises that we could turn to and, and name and talk about in a way that you know excited us um, involve positive things. So Winfield, Winfield as a safety uh, has been unbelievable, right? And, and 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 Whitehead has been great. And then you go through and you, and you look at uh, offensively, you would you would just you'd probably name the entire offensive line: Jensen, Wirfs, Kappa, Marpet, Smith. I mean, Smith a little less so, but for the most part, all those guys, you'd say, "Bravo, here we go!" All positive. Positive developments. Yeah, Kappa specifically. Mm -hmm. Kappa specifically because we haven't heard much about him this year. Yeah. That, that's a bonus. That's a that's real a bonus. Sign, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm serious. I would point to that offensive line routinely and say, you know what? Brady's got a lot of damn time to throw the football. And uh, these, yes, these are really good things. And all of this winning is happening. You alluded to it. They really have not been healthy at the re receiver position. I mean, everybody from, obviously, Mike Evans, well-documented uh, with his injuries. He's not nearly the player he's been in previous seasons because of those injuries. I know he's tough, but he's got to produce, too. But he's he's been hurt, so I need him to return to form. Uh, Scotty Miller even has been hurt. Obviously, Godwin's missed a ton of time because of injuries. If you told me before the season started that you're bringing in a 43-year-old quarterback and that uh, he's not going to have his full allotment of weapons week to week, guys are going to be missing time, missing complete games, missing practice, and then you would point to this offense doing what it's done, uh, I would have said that's unlikely. So this this is stuff we could all hang our hat on and get excited about as Bucks fans. Oh, very much so. And I've got something you guys may want to talk about at some point. It, it, it's it's uh, mystery theater, so to speak. With Mike Evans, you know, I've written a couple times, like, how is it that the greatest quarterback that ever lived? Yeah, I'm still a Joe Montana guy, by the way. So I'm being eh, just quite sarcastic here. How does the greatest quarterback of all time can't find Mike Evans open or can't get the ball to Evans unless he's on the one-yard line? But, you know, James good. Why? Well, how is that? And every once in a while, you know, I, I love our, our readers on Joe Buckstein, obviously. And I had a guy who commented, and I don't know if this is true, but it's certainly something to think about. Uh, a guy uh, replied to one of my many questions, how come Brady can't find Mike Evans unless he's on the one-yard line? And this guy stated 
Jameis is more of a gambler than Brady. Evans doesn't always get that much separation. He doesn't get separation. Jameis trusted Evans, mm -hmm. and Jameis figured 50-50 chance on a 50-50 fight, Evans more likely is going to come down with the ball. So I wouldn't say he forced the ball to Evans. They trusted Evans to get a contested catch, whereas Brady, after two decades of having it beaten into his head, don't, don't set yourself up. Don't throw a pick. Don't throw a pick. Don't throw a pick. He's averse to throwing a contested pass, whereas Jameis wasn't averse to that. He trusted Evans. Maybe Brady doesn't have that trust in Evans. Maybe it's just Brady's inclination. If the guy doesn't have separation, you're not throwing his way. But it's it's a it's a thought provoking um, thought provoking subject. Yeah, it's a thought. I would throw in a, a confluence of things there. I, I think some of that may be true, but I also think when you've been as injured as Evans has and you're another year older, he's not getting a ton of separation. He misses some practices. You've got a situation where maybe they, they're not uh, simpatico. Uh, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so then that's another reason you're not going to, you're not going to trust it. So let's hope that the, that, that now he's back at something close to a hundred percent and we start to see him getting the reps that he would normally get. And then all of a sudden that, uh, that relationship is built. Brady, Brady's going to throw to the open man. Brady's going to throw to the guy that he's worked a relationship with. We know that we've seen that in his career. So if he mm -hmm. gets more of those reps with Evans, I mean, once you get a fully healthy Evans, and I'm with you on this. A fully healthy Evans is a huge difference maker. But the hobbled version of Evans and, and a big receiver who doesn't get a ton of separation anyhow really isn't of a lot of good to you. And, and we've seen that. He, he's been a guy in a lot of these games who's a one-reception guy, two-reception guy, and most of those are red zone targets because he's big. So, you know, I, I, I just think how dangerous the Bucks can be if Evans gets anywhere close to what he was in, in two oh, of the yeah. last three years. Anything close. I mean, they become a completely different team. Then you, you work in Godwin. A.B. is just sort of a, a bonus if he's anything for you. Again, I wouldn't have done it, but they've done it. And if he comes back and he's anything close to what he was, really the Bucks could, could be prolific in the second half of the season. They really could. They really could. Right now, this is the biggest game of the year. If they could, uh, you know, wrap up sole position in first place with seven games to go, and they're just starting to get healthier to wide receiver, wow, look yeah. out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a difference maker. Hey, take care, Lee. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Be well. Hey, you too. Same guys, have a good one. Take it easy. All right, take care. Uh, com, the website, Lee DeKipper. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks. There are concerns. There are moments where they're clearly working things out and trying to get on the same page, and it can be frustrating. They can't decide, do they want to be a run-first team or do they want to be a team that can throw to open up the pass and really what uh, what allows you to best utilize your weapons and who are those weapons and when are they? Uh, are they anywhere close to healthy? At week to week, these are all questions you're, you're kind of wondering about. And, and I'd like to enter a week where I know Godwin's playing and he's healthy. Evans is playing and he's healthy. Miller is playing and he's healthy. That, you know, we're good across the front here. Let's go. Yeah, I think it's trending the way towards healthy. He was off the injury report last week for the Giants game, so he was fine at 100%. But look at what's happening. The spider cam of uh, Monday Night Football is one of the advantages to getting those primetime games. Sunday Night Football does the same thing. And how many times did Brady take a sack because he's trying to get the ball to Evans? But mm -hmm. what are they doing? They're doubling him because nobody – Mickens is on the field. Yeah. And Scotty Miller is on the field. You don't have O.J. Howard. So they're doubling Evans in that situation. James might have trusted Evans in that, in that moment. Well, he would have thrown a pick because it of it. Right. He would have thrown a pick because of it. Exactly right. That's right. In this game, he's got five for 50 and a touchdown, and he's being doubled all night. I think it's trending in the direction where I think you're Evans' right about production that. is about to skyrocket. Yeah, oh, no, I think it's trending in that direction, too. And and listen, a big part of his production skyrocketing, to use your word, would be Godwin being back. 
Sure. I mean, that has well, to happen. And there's also something else to point here. You know, if you're looking at Jameis and Evans and, and this offense, okay, last year Godwin is healthy for most of the most season. Most of the season, that's right. right. So Evans is going to be drawing more advantageous matchups yes. in this offense. Yeah. But if you're looking at this offense in its nature, and I, I understand Monday was a hodgepodge of everything. It really was because they're trying to figure out how to get A.B. involved. That's why Mickens leads the team the way, targets. That shows you how little respect they had for the Giants. We're yeah. going to work on some things. Exactly. Like, we think we're going to win the game treating this as if it's a practice. The featured player in the offense is not the outside receiver. It's where Godwin plays. Right. So if he's not healthy, then you can just key on Mike, and that's not even the first place that this offense wants to go with the football. So there's a couple of things working against Mike there. Yeah, I just need Mike to get healthy. I mean, the the Mike Evans I watch all I the time, is. I think he finally is. The Mike Evans that I've watched throughout the course of this season has really been not really a, a, a major factor. Yes, red zone, that's true. He, he's a factor in the red zone because of his size. But other than that, you're kind of like between the 20s, you get it's not really a factor. The other thing I'd say is it's interesting with Brady and the contested throw idea. If there's an open receiver, he's going to turn down a contested throw. Always. But he's not afraid to throw it in, contest, in contested well, see areas. See some of the beautiful bucket throws he's made either on the sideline or in the end zone. Well, see some of the throws he made on Monday. They weren't always complete. I mean, how many PBUs did the Giants have where yeah. they're in trail and they get their hand up just in time? It happened like five separate times. Yeah, it was one in particular. Like, really? I mean, that's a good play by you, but... Uh... But it happens four or five times. Yeah. That's where you turn off the game because all Madden decided to go God mode, even yeah. though you've got a running back <laughs> on a linebacker. And you're like, he's 90 two against 84 uh, speed. It can't happen. It, it can't happen. Yeah, this is yeah. stupid. <laughs> the Giants, Brady will throw contest. He's number one in the NFL entering Monday Night Football in contested uh, throw accuracy. His well, accuracy, he'll do it to Gronk all the damn time. He'll do it to Evans in the red zone. The throws to Gronk in the baskets. I mean, I'm not talking about that. Those, those smash routes off to the side. I mean, the sideline throws. And then the one in the middle of the, by the way, at least once a week, Tom Brady does something where as a football fan and somebody who appreciates great play from a Hall of Fame player, any Hall of Fame player, okay, he does something where you go, well, there's that. That's amazing. This subtle maneuver in the pocket to buy an extra second yep. while a hand is slapping you in the side of the face, not seeing that hand even as your head tugs slightly because you're hell-bent on getting about a half a yard up in the pocket – so you can thread the needle over a linebacker and underneath a safety with a closing backer coming the other way into the pocket, into the into the breastplate of Gronk is just in the middle of the field. You just when they showed that from behind again, you went, Well, mm -hmm. that's just that's what he does. That's just very aware at all times where everybody is and what has to happen for the ball to get there. And this is the first time since week one against the Saints in which I was okay with the argument that they're working on stuff. Like, you know, the first, they don't have a preseason. Mm -hmm. you have, you've got camp and the camp was abridged yeah. and it's not the same thing with full contact. So against the Saints, you could see it was very much a work in progress. This was the first time since then because they're doing different things. You could see it in Brady's eyes on Monday that he wasn't sure of what he was seeing. He felt pressure where there was none. That's because the clock is racing, because what he's seeing downfield, he's not comfortable with. They're working on things. They're installing things. It's in flux. I don't think they're going to work on anything this weekend. I think they're taking the Saints very seriously, and they see a huge opportunity down the field. The question is, with the tropical storm looming in the southern part of the state, are downfield throws going to be available to these quarterbacks at the rate that they normally would be? Because if you're in a game, remember, this weekend's game up in the Windy City was just that. It was windy. There was a reason that Chicago didn't have as much of an advantage, in my opinion. 
is because that game was windy. And so now Foles' advantage with the arm is minimized. Yeah. If that's the case yeah. this Sunday, Drew already is not going to get the ball consistently down the field. Like if Jamel Dean gets blown by again this weekend four or five times, Breeze might complete one of them, maybe two, yeah, not point, four or five. Good point, good point. But with the wind, now you're bringing the game closer to the line of scrimmage, and what do the Saints do very well? They stop the run really well. I'm excited for this game. I'm as pumped for this game as I've been for many a Buck game. I mean, it's been a while, I should say, for, you know, since I've felt this way about a game. It feels like a college game, and here's why. Because if the weather is normal, meaning that it's breezy but not windy, that it's affecting not the nature so affecting, of high school, yeah. uh, Peyton has to break out the tricks He's got to do what he did in week one. Remember, the only sustained drive they had in the week one win over the Bucs yeah, was, was the, one that featured three or four gadget plays. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have to do that again. He but he will, be, and he always does. But that's the fun part is, yeah. well, the defense has only gotten better since then. It's frustrating when that happens, though. You're like, man, we're drawing stuff in the sand. That's what we're doing out here. You bastard, you. And he's good at it. He's really good at it. Bill Curry for GM Sean Sullivan is incredibly serious when it comes to his love for Bucks fans. He will help you personally seven days a week. Call him, email him, or visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for your Scuttlebucks slash Joe Bucks fan discount, and Sean Sullivan will truly do everything he can to help you at Bill Curry Ford. Everything. That's the family service you can expect from Bill Curry Ford. They've been honored by Ford headquarters many times. Outstanding care of customers. That's Tampa's first family of Ford for the past 60 years. Get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. BillCurryFord.com. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Feel good about it? Everybody feel good about it? Bucks are going to get that win. Move to 7-2. and two. I do feel pretty good about it. I'm almost bullish on what I think is going to happen in this game, Tom. I really, I'm not kidding here. I, uh, we have the personnel. Now, listen. You've got a transcendent player in their backfield. And I'm not talking about the quarterback. So, when that happens, you know, you, you got to account for the fact that um, they're going to make plays. Those guys are going to make plays. You're not going to shut down Alvin Kamara the entire game. But, I mean, it really is a, a hyper-focus on the one guy that can hurt you. I get it. You, you ought to be able to mitigate some of what he does, some of the explosiveness of what he does to get off the field – and give yourself a fighting chance. Now, we do know this. This is a matchup that Evans has been owned in, even when he's healthy. So, unfortunately, I feel like I'm chalking up another week where Evans isn't going to be a factor in this game. But I do certainly, compared to the first meeting, feel so much better about, A, the offensive line, B, 
what Gronk has become. Yeah. Think about him in this game the first time around. He's right. running in cement. Yes. Uh, and, and if you look real quick, you might be able to bottle Alvin up. Because the first time around, 17 touches, 77 yards. Yeah, no, no. Uh, they did, well, and the Bucks do that. They take people away. They right. take running backs away, in particular, when they're hyper-focused on it. Who was the matchup problem, though, was Jared Cook. Seven targets, five catches, 80 yards in that game. And the tight end has been a bit of an issue uh, for the Bucks. To, you're going to give but something up. You give to get. You Yes, you would absolutely concede that. That's a trade that anybody would take. You'd be foolish not to take the trade. But the question is, Vita Via, how much of an impact does he have? Because he certainly was a big part of game one. What does game two look like? I, I mean, I think they've been preparing for this particular football game for some time. Because they know that while there'll be sexy matchups, with the Chiefs and the Rams coming up, and that's a big portion of the schedule, and those are going to be big for national yeah, perspective yeah. on the Bucks. This is division. This is conference. This is a two-for-one special. And given the way the Packers are floundering right now, you win this game, you are in the driver's seat for the bye week. There's only one per conference that's awarded this year, unless they go to that 18 playoff. They're yeah, talking about inside yeah. 16 total. You want to get that bye. This win puts you in the driver's seat to get the bye. You know, it's so cool. We were just talking with Lita Kemper a moment ago about the things that have gone wrong, the things that have gone right, and how much more there is left to accomplish and possibly see in terms of the growth of this team. And most of those are positive. Again, the, the, the surprises, anyhow. I was going through, I was reading on The Athletic earlier this week. They kind of listed their all-rookie teams, AFC, NFC, offense, defense. Tristan Wirfs, obviously, was number one on that list for offensive tackle. Now, they went position by position. It wasn't just a blanket, you know. And so you, you have Tristan Wirfs, uh, number one on that list for tackles. And then, you know, from there, again, it's not like it doesn't it just, it doesn't just end there. There are a lot of guys that every week I think, man, he has really been a nice addition in the last two years. And this guy's a really good player in key spots. And Antoine Winfield, who was on this list, mm -hmm. is an amazing football player. And you get him in the second round. It's turned out to be a really good draft uh, for Jason Light. And these, along with many other things about the Bucks, have me excited. Because I think they're going to get better in the second half of the season. The young guys that have played so well are gaining that experience now. They're only getting better week to week. It, it just is, to me, it's moving in the right direction. The key to me, um, my uh, level of confidence is going to be directly tied to the weather report in this game. Like, the, if you're talking about you're feeling bullish, I would not feel bullish if the winds are up in this game because that plays right into the hands of the Saints for two reasons. Number one, Drew's arm is worse than Brady's arm. But number two, where do the Saints give up their yards and their points? Vertical shots. Vertical shots, yeah. Vertical shots down the field. It's the only thing that kept Carolina in the game in the Superdome just a few weeks back was Teddy Bridgewater stunting the momentum with a deep shot down the field, and it's Samuel wide open. There's nobody around. Nobody around him, yeah. Right. There are going to be open shots down the field against the Saints. If the winds are up, that's a problem for Tampa. But I would also say this. If the winds are uh, then you just hammer the under, everybody, if the winds are up, because here's the deal. Not only does it take away the deep shot for Brady, Brees can't throw the deep ball since you already know that they like to check down. At that point, if the winds are involved, it's a guarantee. So don't worry about it, Tampa. Right. Shut everything down up front, and we got ourselves a 17-14 game in the third quarter or the early fourth. Right. The question to me is between the tackles, can Kamara do more without Vita Villa in the lineup? And if not, there's still a secondary question. Can Latavius Murray do more for the Saints right, between right. the tackles. a more physical runner, yeah. Right, and if the answer is no, then you're going to see the mad scientist and Sean Payton again. Fourth down math, he'll be more aggressive. He's going to call toss passes, flea flickers, taste some oh, head they plays, the head all that kind advantage. of stuff. There's no doubt about that, but I do like that matchup just because, again, you've got Todd Bowles, who's great, going against another 
really, really smart well, guy. If you're just talking about coordinator versus coordinator yeah. rather than head coach versus <laughs> yes, head coach, yes, this correct. is an all-time chess match. It's a great chess <laughs> yeah, match this really weekend. Good one. But God dog it, not going for two on Monday, mm-hmm. almost comes back to bite us. Oh, I, I, I never expect it, him to get the get that right. Let's go up five. Sure. Let's just go up five <laughs> in this situation. You sense. moron. Yeah. You, you moron. You're screaming it at the television. Yes. And by the way, the fourth down, Matt, there on the uh, fourth and one, would you? Would you have kicked that field goal? Oh, uh, I forget. What was the situation? It was fourth and one. A first down wins the game. The Giants just used their timeout, but then you kick the field goal. Basically, you're saying uh, you got to score and get a two-point conversion. Okay, in that situation. Uh, now, I, on third and one, we ran the ball and lost a yard or third and a half. That was an obvious play call. Every, the whole the, world knew what was coming, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, but then And also, sh- Fournette is not as decisive as Ronald Jones. There, I said it. Look at the way the two of them run. Who is more decisive right now in this offense, understanding it, the blocking? But it wouldn't have mattered on that play because they got blown up. What I would tell you is this. I, if you're gonna call, if you're if you're gonna decide to do, to on third and one do that, I mean, to me, it's a play action. Let's it's go. It's Gronk. It's Gronk. Is exactly right. What or are you doing? it's Brady up the shoot because that's what he does. Hey now, but I would tell you this: <laughs> I like the Bucks on Sunday. Hey Gap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the Bucks. You taking the Bucks? I am. Right. Yep. There yeah. If, if I'm if I'm needing wind. To change my pick, then yeah, I'm going to go with gotta, it because yeah. it doesn't even assure the Saints are going to win. It just means it's going to be a ground war. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Should be fun. Let's go, Bucks. Let's ratchet it up. I wish, I wish we all do that. Uh, the realities were different on the ground, and we could have a full stadium for an epic matchup. The Bucks don't usually get this. Oh, that would be ninety percent red. Oh, wouldn't it? wouldn't it be great? It would be great. Uh, for Tom Lang, I'm Jeff Cameron. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be well. Go, Bucks. Talk to you next time on the Scuttlebucks. Bucks.